<laughs> Wait, what did what'd you say? HV lipos. <laughs> I heard him say angry lipos. Angry lipos. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. HV lipos? Angry lipos. Angry, angry uh, lipos. And here he goes again. He's making me say lipos when we all say lipos. This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Welcome to the RC Roundtable. In order to save money, the hosts have been replaced by robots. <laughs> Please welcome your robot overlords. I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. I do too. Better living through high technology and robots. <laughs> Especially when they learn so, how to drive cars. So was that a modulator or some pre-recorded thing? Uh, it's a little website you can go to and type it in. Type in whatever oh, you want and it'll say it. I thought that'd be funny. Wow. It's great for first dates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you too can be Stephen Hawking's. Yeah, wow. Well, <laughs> thought you guys might like that. And yes, this is the RC Roundtable. So let's get the show on the road. Uh, we've, um, fortunately, we've all survived the uh, hurricane pretty well intact and no major flooding, fortunately for us, but of course, unfortunately for a lot of other people in Houston. Uh, but things have cleared up. I think we're trying to get back to normal. So I think we'll just try to look on a bright side and move on and build some airplanes. Yes. I'm in. So, what's new for this week, guys? Have you seen the new version of the Mavic? Yeah, I just saw that. That was kind of a surprise. How so? Well, uh, just that um, I thought they would maybe come up with a whole new model or something like that, or they would lay low and just kind of tweak the software on this one. But it seems like they've done a little bit more than that. Not Not huge, but... Uh, it's some interesting changes they made to it, best I can tell. Uh, I guess the big thing is they bumped up the flight time on it and it lowered the noise. And my first thought was, oh, did they lighten it and change the props? Um, which they may have and not said, but it looks like they've changed the speed controllers to be more efficient. Yeah, the props are different too. Oh, are they? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't notice so, that. Um... Yeah, I was kind of thinking the opposite of you. It seems like a very small difference than the previous Mavic. I don't know if it justifies a new version and another $100. Yeah, yeah. I think that's always been DJI's MO anyway, to release a lot of incremental versions. Uh, I guess you're right. They have all the Phantoms, which were kind of incremental, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't own any DJI, so it's... Um... I don't pay a whole lot of attention to them, other than the occasional chance I get to fly one or two from somebody else's. Uh, but I've always been impressed with the Mavic. That one, they they were really clever on the design of that one, and I was really impressed with the, what I saw on it. What about you, Lee? Never touched one. <laughs> <laughs> May have seen one in the corner of my eye, but I've never laid hands on a DJI product. So. Um. Well, is that uh, a conscious thing, or is that just how it worked out? It's a it's a wallet thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, buying one, but there's 
If if someone said, "Hey, would you mind reviewing this?" I'd fly it. You know, I wouldn't like just you know shudder and 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 go away, give it, a, send it away. No, I, I'd get my hands on it, but I've never had that kind of money to to venture into that. So no. But well, if, if there was an app, and there probably is one at DJI headquarters that would identify every DJI product, you know, on a map, um, I'll bet there's a ton of stuff around you. So. Oh, I bet. You yeah. have access to them, I'm sure. Well, yeah. Hey, buddy, can I fly your Mavic? Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like asking a helicopter pilot if you want, if you can fly that. Hey, I can fly a helicopter on flight simulator. Can I just uh, grab your – no. I, uh, I think some people are going to be picky about their stuff. I mean, it no, I've never seen It can be tough to one. crash those. You, they're all uh, controlled by their onboard processors. The, the transmitter is just a suggestion box. Yeah. It's going to do what it wants to do. Well, you don't fly you know them. What? You command them. <laughs> well, well, speaking sort of. speaking of command, though, I think that was the topic I wanted to, to bring up uh, when we saw this was, you know, besides the features and the gimbals and the really great quality I have seen from people posting, you know, DJI, Mavic, and, and what's that uh, other one, that Spark, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, I was like, hey, I'll give them credit. It seems to be a very good product. But what I've... What I'm hearing, though, and I, I'd love to get you, your input and, and other listeners' input, is you know this this recent conversation about how DJI is kind of locking down the software so that you can't fly in, in certain areas. I'm not sure if they're working with the FAA or what the intent is. We that's probably an entire episode, but because I'm hearing about these upgrades that people have to take or they can't fly their quads in certain areas and you either have to get uh, certified, not certification, we need approval or you have to get, request a, a flight plan. I, I don't, it, it just sounds that they're really taking charge of their product beyond what I think the everyday person wants to handle. And I'm sure they're going to say it's a safety measure, but I think that's just kind of heavy handed, uh, don't you think? I kind of see both sides of it. For the people who know what they're doing, it's, yeah, probably an overreach, and they I can see where they wouldn't appreciate it. But if you look at how much of the market share DJI has, I think it's easy to recognize that there's a lot of people who don't know what the heck they're doing flying this stuff, and this might be the only reasonable way to keep them in check. Yeah, I think so. – I think for the market they have, the commercial flyers are probably such a small infinitesimal number compared to the average consumer that they have that they're just playing CYA and they're saying uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, basically, in this case. And I don't know what the, the correct answer is in terms of a better way to, to make everybody happy. But, yeah, I can see both sides of it. I'm not sure which side of the fence I fall on, though. What if they get kind of if they have a model that if you can supply them with your was a part 107 certification they can give you one that doesn't have the lockout feature or something maybe that's a solution i mean i, I could probably go for that i mean if they're gonna say you know you have to i mean there there are like i'll just throw one out here photoshop you know and for me to use photoshop i had to have a license and a key and if i ever got an upgrade i had to submit it back to adobe to make sure you know i was a registered user and with their newer license they kind of switched it around now it's a monthly uh service fee which is saving me actually a lot of money and i just have to have a i have to be logged in on my computer when i use it so it, it authenticates me so i i kind of like what you're talking about about having the part 107 so if you get it which is it's encouraging you're having people try to, to get that which is not an easy task i mean let's just point that out i mean some people 
are not passing and it's it's time consuming to get that but if you have it then i kind of say yeah you should be able to fly your your mavic or whatever dji product uh what do you call it full <laughs> full access <laughs> is, that what, is that they call it Unrest you know? unrestricted mode yeah vip mode <laughs> uh, would that be like a jailbreak on a cell phone Okay, I, I guess, but that's usually a negative term. <laughs> usually when when yeah. you talk about having a jailbreak, it's like the you know, warranty. You know. Yeah. This this will be a, void. This will be a factory authorized jailbreak, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Well, I, and I think that's the crux of the um, discussion: is what right do they have? If they sell it to you, and then why should they maintain any responsibility after that? Well, this is isn't Tesla basically. In, have that same problem where they're they're saying you, you bought the car but you can't change the software you can't do this you can't do that we're going to force updates on you how would you feel true. like it oh yeah I, I don't think this discussion is limited to to DJI or drones or anything as we get deeper and deeper into this Internet of Things yeah it's going to be I well I we kind of got off the the actual product topic of the Mavic Pro but I think the I I'd like to do more research on what DJI is doing to the software I mean I think mm. the product appear sound. I, I, I think it's really good. I know there was a, a, a time, I wasn't the, the, the three maybe, or the, there was a software glitch and there was a, a lot of accidents. Do, do either of you know about that? I always thought there was like some software glitch that had to be fixed and it, you know, it caused a lot of grief uh, people. I, I think there was a problem with some of the early Phantoms with uh, GoPro cameras that had the Wi-Fi turned on would cause lockouts. Does that sound familiar, Terry? Yeah, I just, well, there I... are people... I thought that was with the blades, but it could have been Phantoms too. I don't know. I believe it was Phantoms, early, early Phantoms, like so Phantom 1 or 2. Generic interference between camera Wi-Fi and GPS signals? Um, not, like not the GPS, but the actual controller. Something, yeah, maybe it was okay. GPS, yeah, I think it was some leakage or something. Well, it's hard for me to, to make this assessment since I've never flown a DJI, but if I had to make a comparison, you know, early SpaceX rockets, the, the first stage was not landing. You know, there were a yeah. lot of explosions, okay? And then I, I I go back to my YouTube videos of a lot of phantoms just flying into trees or flying into someone's garage or, you know, hitting the ceiling of why they're in their house. Don't ask me why. Uh, is, but, is there an old joke that space flight advances one explosion at a time or something like that? <laughs> Maybe. But, like, the last three or four flights of the SpaceX have been great. And, uh, you know, DJI put out the Spark. I've, I've heard a lot of great things about that. I'm not a big fan of the autonomous functionality i mean I, I i'm a you know thumb and thumb and stick guy i like to you know have command and if i needed to hover and you know hold for a second maybe but uh you know what's that the the spark has that little hand gesture thing <laughs> i'm sorry i got your gesture right here <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, model not sold in <laughs> italy Oh well, I mean, and we're like we're taking this topic way off in the different directions <laughs> than the new product. Well, I, I think it's. I think. I mean, this sounds good. You're right. I don't know if the the price is right, but I have not paid for one, so I, I can't make that judgment call. But if you know, if people have a Mavic right now, I'd like to know if they're s serious about going to the Mavic Pro. Just like you take a GoPro. Like I, I didn't get a new GoPro for a long time, so I had a GoPro two. I finally got a GoPro four. And then now I've got the session five, and I, I've seen the leaps, you know, mm. of of the technology. I this sounds like a, a good improvement. You, you're talking about how the uh, the props or the ESCs are much more efficient. Boy, we really that's great. I mean, that just doesn't help the the drone market, but aircraft as well. 
Okay. And- My thoughts from somebody who's actually flown one. Um, if, if I had one, the Mavic Pro Platinum probably was, isn't not, I'm sorry, probably is not enough of an improvement for me to go dump the Pro and go get the Platinum. If I buy new, then that's another story. I probably would look at the Platinum. Uh, because uh, a good friend of mine has a Mavic and uh, he let me fly it several times. And first of all, it's a really nice flying machine. Uh, super easy to fly. He never flew pretty much anything and he was able within about five, ten minutes to fly the thing around pretty good. Uh, so it's very stable. The design is fantastic. The thing folds up almost small enough to fit in your pants pockets. If you got cargo pants, it probably could fit in your pocket. Yet, yeah, w- yet it's, um, very is that stable. A in your pocket? Yeah. Hurry, <laughs> just happy to see me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just whip this out. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> <laughs> Even the standard Mavic flies for a long time, because uh, I did 3DR solo, and we were flying together, and I'd go up after him, and I'd have to land before him, and he would still be up there flying around for another five or so minutes. So the thing already has a long flight time, just a standard one, much less the Platinum. And also the range, the thing has, what, uh, close to something around a five-mile range on the transmitter? Uh, can, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. And Terry, you should be able to answer this too. What do you attribute the longer flights to? A proprietary battery, better ESCs, or a more efficient prop? Or other? I, I don't know. It's, you would have to give the prop some credit. They When they list the benefits of the new version of the old, they say it's four decibels quieter and it flies longer. So quieter means it's more efficient. I don't know how much of that plays into the added flight time, um, but it probably works in conjunction with the ESCs. Um, yeah, well, so uh, it's got to be a, a grocery bag full of different effects. Yeah. But really, it's a three-minute difference in flight time, though. They claim it went from 27 to 30 minutes. And eh, I think like Fitz said, if I was in the position of buying one, yeah, maybe I would think it's worth another 100 bucks. But if I already had a Mavic, no. But I was curious if the new props would fit on the, the old version. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And the speed controls are probably not worthwhile, but yeah. Mm. We'll have to look into that. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's going to try it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure somebody already has. There, <laughs> there was a video of when the Mavic first came out. Someone was flying it, and they were throwing random stuff at it. They were, like, throwing backpacks and all kinds of stuff in the air at the drone to try to break Be- it. Why would you do such a thing? Because YouTube. <laughs> because like, here's my Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> 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 yeah. Catch, catch the Teddy Ruxpin. I assume they succeeded without too much effort. Uh, they were able to damage it quite a bit, but it still flew. I think they ended up cutting some one of the propellers quite a bit, and it still flew. Although, where is this? Red. Where is this going? <laughs> I don't know. Just uh, boy, what what YouTube channel are you watching? Let's uh, throw things on a DJI Mavic. I blame my friend because he was doing research on it and he found all these odd videos about it. He said, "Look at this oh one. Gosh. Here's where they shoot are it." Typing uh, in feverishly, Mavic, <laughs> dog, you know, whatever target practice. Hole. Yeah, well, you know, YouTube. <laughs> it's all about the clicks, baby. <laughs> but anyways, well, I, I saw an interesting observation uh, on Twitter that. Somebody said that the the new logo that says platinum looks like it belongs on a lady's razor. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Look at it. <laughs> Tell me they're wrong. All right. I think we've talked about that enough. <laughs> We're going off to some weird territory here. All right. I guess the next thing is uh, we see that Great Plains has a new bird of time. Electric. Factory stock electric version instead of the regular thermal. That's interesting. Now, have either of you ever had a bird of time, either the the kit or the ARF? Uh, negative. Yeah, same here. But I know they're very popular. I don't think I've ever had a car that would fit one. I think it's huge. Well, the wing comes apart, right? Like five pieces, but, right? Hopefully. Well, <laughs> I would guess three. But I don't really know. Um, let's see. I don't know. We'd have to look. Yeah. The thing's a monster. with was 112, 118-inch wingspan. Um, which is nice that they've done this because um, I know it's a real popular plane. It, guys, it's like, I guess, one of the most liked planes of all time as far as a glider. Uh, but uh, they never had a full electric version. People have had to modify them, if I understand. Yeah, and I think that modification became fairly standardized. But now it's, you know from the factory, ready to go with a motor and the right prop. So you don't have to hack into a fiberglass fuselage. Yeah, it's nice. And it does, the wing is three pieces. Three pieces, okay. You see the motor you recommend, the Rimfire 32. That's uh, pretty beefy. And four cells. Oh, yeah. And that brings up our previous conversation about the, the A26. We were talking last time. You and I weren't convinced that two of those would be enough to, to power that big bird. But we posted a video this past week where Dan Landis did the stock setup, and it did not seem to be underpowered at all. No, I think leaped off the ground. Yeah, plenty yeah. of power. So I've played with those motors before, and I just kind of consider them 800-watt motors, but maybe I'm just not utilizing it to its full potential. Yeah, it seems like they're quite a bit more powerful than the specs would indicate. Well, I know when we were talking to Gary, we were kind of surprised on how, how many cells he was pushing through those motors <laughs> that he tests. But, yeah, we're just not pushing hard enough. Oh, those magic uh, small motors? That well, that, that, the, well, I'm sure he's testing the, the ring fires too, yeah. But I was like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we need to push it just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. There's probably some headroom there. Yeah. Well, I guess you can swing a nice big prop. There's only four cells, so... Um... Well, which is what the motors generally use that, but it'd be interesting what props you could use. If you can... Well, usually when you're talking about a an LMR glider, you're you're turning a really big prop. Yeah. You know, like on my Electra, I think I've got a, a 11 or 12 folding prop. So I'm really just pushing as much torque as I can to get up to altitude and then cut it off. So it's, it's not long runs. That's true. You could probably push it near the limit of its power because you're just doing short runs. Really yeah, it's a there. short it's a short run, so it's as as they call it burst mode. Yeah, and uh, oh, yeah, that's probably enough. But I, I wonder, did you happen to see what size prop they had on that? What do they recommend? Yeah, it doesn't say. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably guess it's gonna be eleven or twelve, maybe even more. I mean, being that it's such a big plane, yeah, that's a big on plane. that A twenty six. He was using twelve tens on four S. So so oh, yeah, then yeah. you could probably go even more than that. Yeah, probably fourteen fifteen with a lower pitch. You don't really need a lot of pitch speed, but just a static thrust. So you can go with a pretty big prop with low pitch. Probably pull it up. Yeah, we need to we need to tell uh, Tower they need to put the folding prop recommendation. I'm surprised they didn't have it up here. Yeah. I mean, it's well, not... yeah, it looks like there's several specs that are still pending. Yeah, it's not so due until later. Catching this early. Yeah. 
So while we're talking about this, I think I mentioned that there was a guy at my field that had a hotliner out and was asking him about the kind of performance it has. And he said when he powers it up for a climb, it's pulling 300 amps. Oh, he's doing a flying arc welder. Yes. And man. Yeah. I bet it growled. Oh, yeah. Gosh, it's just amazing. No, I hadn't seen hotliners before, so it wasn't like a new thing, but... It doesn't take long to forget just how impressive they are. Uh, and scary. Man, it's just a ton of power in a little package. And it wouldn't take much. Oh, yeah. They, um, that must have been one of the bigger ones. They used to they used to have what they call a 27-cell class, I think. I forgot okay. the actual numbered F3I. I can't remember what it was. It must be that class. I, I'm sure he's using lithium now. Yes. Yeah. Last time I really saw them, it was still round cells. But they were really mm. impressive. And they were, yeah, they were... They were just, they literally were well, <laughs> enough power to weld something. I mean, they were, they just would straight up growl like you wouldn't believe and just were really fast and impressive. Yeah. I think oh, the this is, time was probably a little more leisurely. Yeah, I was going to say, this is not a hotliner. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no. Sure <laughs> you, could, you could probably supersize it, have fun. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> it's a chili liner. You know, it's funny, I you mean, mentioned hotliner. I still have a hotliner in my garage. That I, that's smart. That's smart. I still have that. Every once in a while. It still has lith, uh, uh, nickel metal hydride batteries in it, too. Don't know if they're well, good anymore. You want us to bury that with you? Yeah, go, <laughs> go dust it off. Yeah, every once in a while I dust it off. It was funny. So when I, when I first got it, I went out to the field and it was a little windy. And it looks like a glider. So the guy was like, it's kind of windy for a glider, isn't it? Like, <laughs> hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> well, going back to the plane we were talking about, <laughs> the, the bird of time. Uh, I Don't cage I, me in, bro. <laughs> I, I like the bird of time. I can show my age by saying I've been around one in the 80s. Uh, this old guy, that's all he used to bring to the field. And, you know, we'd hide start our gliders. And I used to fly an Aquila and a Sail Air. And, uh, the, the, you know, this guy flew the bird of time, a great plane. I mean, it was really nice and thermal. So it's a, it's a well-known air, you know, thermal flying glider. Uh, the downside I have to this kit is, yes, I, I think not having to walk back and forth with a high start is, is great. Uh, trying to find someone with a, another a tow plane is, it can be difficult. But it's 219 uh, as an ARF as it is, and you haven't even bought the batteries and the motor yet. So you're looking at 250 or so um, to leisurely fly or glide. And for me, that's that's pushing it over the limit there for me. I think, you know, we're near $300 to, to just go fly a glider, and I, I probably recommend some other planes, maybe kits too, to, to well, do that. But we'll turn that around a little bit because okay. if you were going to fly a regular bird of time, your options for getting it up or like a high start or a winch or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess you could aero tow, but I mean that's a lot of overhead. So you don't think there's some value in in having a, a the option of this instead of setting up a high start or a winch? I, I'm I'm making the this again. I don't own a DJI <laughs> because of the cost. <laughs> so I'm saying we're getting to near three hundred dollars to to fly this, and it it may be worth it if that's you know if if you're willing to pay that much money. But I think for me, because of how I grew up and a high start is just it's very relaxed. It's old school. Um, I think that's kind of pushing it. So. That's all. Well, I mean, it, but it's a great plane. It takes plane. a lot of space, too. I'm not sure that I would have enough room at my current field to set up a high start for a plane this big. 
So that something like this might be the only option. Yeah, we should remember, this is a big plane. This is not yep. some little uh, 1.2 meter R for something. This is really large. Well, what we're actually talking the... about is interesting. The last two planes or kits we've talked about are upgrades from something previous. Mm. So you had the Magic Mavic Pro Platinum, and then you have the Bird of Time that's now equipped for electric. I'm I'm sure if I go on RC groups, I'm going to find people who had the previous ARF kit, which was 180, and they've modified it to you know run electric. And maybe there are some cheaper ways of going back to the original ARF, you know, and saving what is that 40 bucks difference, you know, to to do a custom motor mount in the original ARF kit, uh, you know, so maybe that's $40 worth saving. But for something who, for someone who wants to just get into it real quick without having to cut up the nose, you know, maybe it is worth 40 bucks. I'm, I'm just giving my opinion because I'm, you know, I'm one of the voices in the show. <laughs> I just, I think for just thermal flying and stuff, I think it's just kind of a little pricey, but if you can, you can disagree, Terry. <laughs> I, I will. Well, ultimately the market will decide, right? That, that's true. If it were me, if I knew I was getting one that was going to be powered by an electric, it would be worth it, what is it, $40 difference to not have the variable of me screwing up the fiberglass fuselage. Yeah, I've seen... Cutting the thrust angle correctly. Yeah, I've seen some real hack jobs on Berta Times for electric setup, so... You just have to get it up there. It <laughs> doesn't have to go up straight. <laughs> well, okay, you just strap rockets to it. Jato, bird yeah. of time. <laughs> Challenge uh, accepted. Uh, <laughs> all right, on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. So, Terry, I understood you almost had a chance to go on a road trip. You want to fill us in on uh, what's the result of that? Yeah, no pressure you from your friends. <laughs> yeah, just some slight pressure from your friends. Some slight guilt tripping. What was it Was it like 9 or 10 o'clock at night we were pressing him to get, get on the road the next morning? <laughs> yeah, you're a man or a mouse. <laughs> yeah, uh, clear your schedule. So, you guys sent me a... A link to a Craigslist ad, which you had seen on the Balsa Modelers group on Facebook. And basically it was literally models in a barn. And it looked like some old timer stuff. It was hard to tell because the pictures weren't that great, but it was just airplanes kind of scattered around. And it ended up that this place was three and a half hours away from me. And apparently this ad had been out for weeks and weeks and nobody claimed these airplanes. And they only wanted a hundred bucks for the whole set. And one comment in there said, if they're not picked up by tomorrow, they're going in the fire. And <laughs> Sacrilege! That's what having it. Yeah. Sacrilege! <laughs> I think that's what got us. We, we, were, we were triggered. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely we, triggered. We, and we all, you know, we all came together as a group. It's like, please, somebody in New York, save these planes. <laughs> we were going to call the, uh, um, some international group, you know, UN or something. An A-team type A-team. of group? <laughs> when you have balsa models and in need of, in need of, uh, Recovery. We're calling ACLU. I pity the fool that burns their planes. <laughs> yeah, but, well, when we saw the pile, 
it was it was interesting because we went back and forth. I think a couple of times when you when you first saw all of them and you were thinking, my gosh, all that for a hundred dollars, it seemed like a steal. And then we were like starting to question ourselves, who would pass that up? So we thought it was only out for a couple of days until we did some more research and then discovered the Craigslist had been out for like two or three months. And they were then we started going, well, what's wrong with it? Had they been flooded? You know, could they've been just you know underwater? They look pretty good. But I think we all were attracted to that one uh, canard, which we don't. I don't have a photo. I've been looking for it. I can't find it. But there's this really neat looking canard plane. I think if you, you know, if you went on the trip, that was the plane that might be worth the hundred dollars. It was pretty cool looking. Um, yeah, I think that was one of several. You know, I tried to investigate those pictures to glean whatever info I could, and there looked to be a few that were very interesting, and. You know, there's only so much data you can get from a photo. You don't know how well things are built or even just from what I could tell, it looked like a lot of those airplanes were covered in silk span that was already very brittle, if not broken. So I'll tell you, I was not excited by it at first. And it took a little bit of snooping around to find some interesting things before I warmed up to the idea. And eventually I agreed to call the guys. And I did. <laughs> Can I wait? I want to interject. This was fun. When we when we actually had the discussion, the three of us, what time should you call? What what time would be a deal breaker if you called too too soon, you know, too right. early, or if, if the... you called too late and you missed the chance? We were like working like, what is the best time? I think I said nine fifteen. Yes. <laughs> so... Does the guy willing to call at seven thirty get the worm, or does he get hung up on? Who knows? <laughs> but it was it was really cool because Terry was not buying this at all until we really started talking about the the planes online and saying well that looks pretty cool and that might have a brushless motor you know that you know it, look at the, all the wings in the back that you know something you might be able to slap together and then yeah we we turned you and then you actually said you were going to call it i was like i was shaking my hands in the sky going amen <laughs> those planes are saved <laughs> well there was enough stuff that i was legitimately concerned that it would not fit in my van Oh, and yeah. I, I can fit a lot of stuff in my van. And because it said it has to be all or none. I mean, they they basically said it. you have to take it tomorrow. Well, yeah, and I wasn't too concerned about that, but it's not really, it didn't look like the kind of stuff you can just stack up and, and not worry about on a three-hour drive, three-and-a-half-hour drive. So it looked like it would need a little bit of TLC, and there was a lot of it, and it was big. So the logistics presented a little bit of a challenge, too. But in the end, it didn't matter. Because I decided to call a few minutes after nine, per your recommendation, and when I called, someone else had already claimed it. And then we started thinking exactly like who did it? <laughs> now, I I think it was neat. Again, this this balsa modeler group on Facebook, I'm really enjoying because that's where we saw it. And then there's a lot of communication. I, I wish I could go back through some of the comments, but we were all, you know, talking about saving these models. And, of course, I think Fitz and I were more interested than Terry, <laughs> but we turned him. <laughs> but it was like, you, you would, it would just be sad if someone who had such an eclectic collection, and even if you know, a lot of the kits were, I mean, I, I, we're talking $100. I know I'm, I was nitpicking the bird of time for 400 but, you know, all that stuff, it just, it's almost like a trip down memory lane, and maybe seeing things you've never seen before that you would just try to rebuild. And I was so glad that someone did get it, and I hope it was someone from the the Balsa Baller group, so we could, you know, 
get more photos of it, more details. Mm. And, and of it, course, it, for Terry, make make him feel better if that was a really like you know dud. <laughs> Everything is warped. <laughs> you, know? you would have to think that whoever picked that stuff up was somehow related to that Balsa Modelers group. Because if that ad sat there for weeks and nobody responded, but then the night before it gets posted and then you know, at least two people were clamoring for it, it seems like the, the only connection there. Yeah, good point. Unless it was posted in other places too. I don't well, know. But Did you happen to see the person who, who started the post uh, said that the person was offering $500 at first? And then after two weeks or so, it went down to two hundred or three hundred, and then it was one hundred, and then it was free. Oh, yeah. did it end up free? Yeah, because I was thinking, once you tell people you're going to burn it, you kind of lost your bargaining leverage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but that's I, what I would they, have given all them they saw was wood. All we, you know, all we saw were cool airplanes. You know, well, nostalgia. Exactly. Yeah. I think it was it was a hundred dollars worth of nostalgia there, don't you? think? Oh, sure. Yeah, I I I would have gladly given a hundred for what I saw. I might have cursed myself later on when I am able to pick through it, but you know that's the kind of deal you don't question. You just hand over the money and sort it out later. I would have done a GoFundMe for nostalgia fund for Terry Dunn. Mm, nah. <laughs> GoFundMe for hundred dollars. Twenty bucks. Oh, oh, not a hundred dollars. That's his loss, not mine. <laughs> but I hope. I it's like when I started seeing that, it's like I never get those kind of deals here in Houston. I never find that. I mean, I, I know there's some guys who just are like uh, <laughs> state sale whisperers. They just, people just are drawn to them. Like when they're getting rid of all their RC, these guys are always contacted and, you know, they're probably friends with model shops or something, but you know, they buy these estate sales for, you know, 300, $400 and they have like $2,000 worth of supplies there mm. that they just hang, hand out at swap meets. And to me, I just, I just think some of those planes were just cool. I mean, just, just to, to rummage through would have been, you know, how much do you spend on going to a movie now? You know, 40 bucks maybe. I don't go to movies. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> uh, you you have other bad habits, right? <laughs> it's the drinking, the drugs. Uh, you know. But, but the, just just pulling his leg. But to me, that that would have been that would have been neat to go through. And uh, uh, I, I found oh yeah, it. I certainly wasn't looking at it as an investment. I mean, anybody who no no who buys a model airplane as an investment. No, but, it, but it was just one of those collections. One of the first chapters in investment books. Don't get into RC modeling. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the old joke how you make a small fortune by taking a large fortune and putting it into models? Uh, yeah. But it, the collection was very unique and had some interesting, really neat and oddball models that you just you know don't see. And that's what I think really was the appeal of it. Well, while we're talking, I am on the Balsam Models Group. I am actually making a post that's going to ask and reach out for those people who saw that ad to see if they know who, who got it, if we could get more information about it. I'd love mm. to see what this, this pilot had. It'd be neat. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the, the collection resurfaces in someone else's hands and we can find out more about it. So I'm getting ready to explore the new world of high voltage lithium batteries. And I'm, trying to before i i have one in hand but before i use it i'm trying to guesstimate how much of a difference it's going to make and when i look at the numbers it just doesn't seem like a big difference but fitz i know you've had one or several in the past so what are your experiences using these new guys uh, i generally like them uh, they seem to have a higher energy density than uh standard lipos uh 
as long as you have a charger that can charge them correctly, uh, and that that's the key is having adjustable voltage on the cutoff, because they use a higher cutoff voltage than standard lipos, of course. Okay, so they start at a higher voltage. What do they go to? A normal lipo is 4.2 fully charged. This is 4.38, what is it? Yeah, something like that, 4.3. I think each manufacturer is slightly different, but 4.3 something, maybe up to 4.4, but I don't know if it went that high. Um, I can't remember what my charger was set at, but it's definitely more than 4.2, but not a whole lot, maybe another volt, tenth of a volt on average. Um uh, and so on a three-cell lipo, you're talking, let's say it's two-tenths of a volt, 0.6 volts more. Is that something that really is noticeable? Um, I, I didn't really notice all that much difference in power, to be honest. I use in a couple of EDFs, I think. And it you might be able to, to cruise around at a fractionally lower uh, throttle setting. Uh, my biggest thing is it seems like they, they just have more capacity. So you're charging longer. And if you look at the capacity for the same size, it's usually a bit more, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Because uh, they, so, they discharge down to the same level as a standard LiPo. Okay, so you get more of a useful voltage range. Yes, you get more of a useful voltage range, and they seem to have a little higher energy uh, capacity. Okay. I wonder if they could be used as sort of a tuning tool mm-hmm. where if you need just like an incremental prop difference to, to get up to a power level you want, could you maybe boost the voltage by this much? I'm not following you. So normally if you're playing with uh, props and things to to fine-tune your power output, you know, you can, you're limited to the changes you can make because props are only made in a certain number of sizes. Right. So is this another tool that you could use for that sort of tweaking? Now you can change the voltage of your battery. Oh, so you want... Rather than a whole cell jump, yeah. you go to a high voltage. Gotcha, gotcha. Because if, if you're saying jumping up one size of prop is too much, but you with the current prop is a little too less, you can just change the voltage, up the voltage slightly, and it give you kind of the sweet spot. And I'm guessing. I don't know. Mm. Part of me says that the changes aren't significant enough to make that much of a difference. No, I think uh, after you fly for a while, the voltage falls off, and so it's not quite as pronounced as, for, as when it was fully charged. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's, Are EDFs the only application you use them in? Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, I did use them in a twin prop, but I had a problem. <laughs> a fiery problem? you got to be careful with these. I had two issues using them. <laughs> you have to talk to them gently. Be nice to them. <laughs> Tell them they're a good lipo. <laughs> no. Here's what happened. I had one jet, uh, a little small EDF. I had like a 4-cell 2200, 2400, I think it was, which was nice because normally I use 2200. And... Um, so I could put this in the same spot, and I don't think it weighed much of any or anything more. Um, it it gave me a false cutoff. The speed controller thought, I think initially I was running like a five cell instead of a four cell. So after about thirty seconds or so, it started getting me to cut off. So I had to go in and manually program the speed controller not to cut off at such a high voltage, uh, because it it kind of spoofed the speed controller, basically. Right. So be careful of that. And- 
What's that? So not all ESCs would have that capability. Not all of them do, right? If it's auto detect, um, it might be an issue. It depends on it. It's it's there's no it's not consistent. It depends on a controller. Uh, hmm. And I had a yes. That's certainly something to consider. Yes. So be careful of that. To definitely bench run to, bench run it to make sure it doesn't false cut off uh, on you. Well, and usually when you arm it, it'll indicate how many cells it detects. Uh, yes. So this particular so one, don't I don't remember if it did or not. I can't remember. Um, uh, I think I had it hard coded, or no? I think I hard coded it after I programmed it to for a specific number of cells versus auto detect. Yeah, usually it beeps the number of times how many cells. For some reason, I don't know why I don't I didn't recognize that as beeping five times or something. But I know once I reprogrammed, I had, didn't have any more problems with it. So it might be challenging to use a normal lipo and a high voltage lipo interchangeably. Uh, it might be depending on the Ooh, controller you're yeah. using. Uh, also, I had the uh, the twin mosquito from E Flight they used to make the big one. The oh, the bigger one. Okay. Yeah, uh, and I normally run that on four cells, like a four cell. It's meant for three cells, but it's much more fun on four cells. So I had a four cell depot that I ran for quite a while, and then I got the high voltage four cell, and that was just enough to overheat the speed <laughs> controllers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm flying around, and one of the motors they have enough for your crap. I almost crashed it because you know, I was tooling around at a nice high speed, and one of the motors cuts off, and the thing instantly does like three snap rolls in a row. Uh, and so <laughs> it was a real butt clincher. Uh, so you, you have to be careful too that you don't, you know, your, your power system can handle it. Uh, uh, so it is because you know more voltage means more power, at least, at least you know fresh off the charge. So yeah, it's, so you're gonna have to see higher currents in each initially. More voltage means more power. Right. <laughs> no, just <laughs> the way you said it was. Oh well, yeah, I mean, it's Ohm's law, but <laughs> <laughs> you should wear that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Ohm's law. It's not just a rule; it's the law. Uh, but. Um, but generally, I liked them. The ones I had, I could fast charge, and I had a, I had two different packs: a small pack and a larger pack. They used on my Kafir eighty millimeter EDF, and 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 generally, I didn't have any problems with them. I didn't have any. They handled the power for EDF pretty good, so definitely C rings were good. Uh, okay. I actually plan on getting more. Just haven't got around to it. Well, I've got one. It's a 3S900, I think, mm. or maybe it's an 850 from Hyperion. And I tried to get the closest equivalent I could in a non-high voltage. And they have comparable discharge rates and capacity and all that. So I'm hoping to do kind of an apples-to-apples apples comparison. Uh, but even so, there's some variables that I just can't get rid of. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think this battery will work in a new mini quad that I have mm. and also in one of my parallax models. So I'm going to try it out and, and see if I can detect any differences. I think they should give you a slightly better runtime as long as you, um, in cruise, if you spend more time in cruising and low power settings, uh, mm. because a higher voltage, lower current is a more efficient setup than a low voltage, high current. And so, right. Uh, now, it would be interesting if I could set it up to do the Pepsi challenge, have somebody put one of the batteries in the airplane and see if I could tell which one it was. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting. 
Yeah, I'm guessing I couldn't, but I've never been highly calibrated. Now, can your charger boost the voltage when it charges? No. The charger that I typically use at home is a high-tech 480, and that's hooked to a server power supply. And it does not have the capability to do high-voltage LiPos. So I just picked up a high-tech, um, is it the X1? Yes, the X1, which is a single output AC charger, and it can do high voltage lipos. Mm, okay. And that's but the- interestingly, it, the minimum number of cells is two. I thought it would go down to one, but it only goes down to oh, two. That's odd. Mm. Yeah, and I was a little disappointed in that because you'll be interested in this, Lee. Um, I believe our run cams use high voltage lipos. Because when I measure them, they're typically 4.35, something like that, mm. when they're fully charged. And so I've always wanted to be able to charge them on a regular LiPo charger because I hate charging through USB. Um, So uh, I'm still looking for an option to do that. Now, you can technically still charge an HV LiPo with a standard um, lithium charger, but you're not going to see the advantage. It'll cut off too soon. Yeah, you only charge it to 4.2, so it's not going to full capacity or full voltage. Correct, correct. You're not going to damage anything. You're just not taking advantage of it. Right. So I, um, when we're talking about chargers, I use a uh, iCharger. I have the 410 Duo, and that one allows me to have different programs. So I can, I have one program for HV, one program for regular lipos, and a few other things. So I can go back and forth pretty easily between the two different types of technologies. And uh, it's been real convenient. Yeah, and that's how this new high tech is. You have a lithium option, and then there's a menu in there that lets you some select whether it's lithium-ion or iron phosphate or high voltage or just regular lipo. Yeah. And I think the HVs are lithium-manganese, actually? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to look that up, see if they're actually... So, yeah, I'll be experimenting, and I'll let you know how it turns out. Yeah, I'm very curious to see uh, some more scientific testing. I never got around to it. I just threw them in and said, hey, they work pretty good. I didn't say I'd be scientific. Or more scientific than me. <laughs> I didn't do anything other than some... Uh, yeah, here's Fitz of science. Did it catch fire? Nope. Good <laughs> hey, for me, that's a good thing. Did my prop fall off? Nope. Good to go. <laughs> <laughs> that only happened once. Well, since we're talking chargers, uh, we should, I guess discuss our charging setups because i'm sure we all have each of different chargers and the way we have our setups and different requirements uh who wants to go first well i've already described what i usually use most of the time that high tech it's a four output and hooked to a server power supply it does what i need my mo for charging is usually to just charge what i think i'm going to need right before i go to the field and then my plan is not to charge at the field Unless I have some plane I'm taking that only has one battery or something, and I want to fly it multiple times. Um, if I think I need to charge, I've got an old Great Plains Triton that I'll take with me. But, again, my my goal is usually to not charge, but to fly. Interesting. I have just the opposite philosophy. I try not to have any charged batteries at home, and when I, only when I go out to the field do I have anything charged. I charge up the field for the most part. And you have AC at your field, do you use that? Yes, yes, I do. Okay. I just don't like to have a bunch of charged batteries around uh, when I'm not flying because I sometimes I don't know how when the next time I'm going to fly, and so I don't 
just so they last longer. I don't like to keep them charged more than about halfway. Yeah, if somehow I've charged up batteries that I end up not using, I'll put them on the discharge cycle when I get home. Mm. Uh, Usually. I might have a couple that need that treatment now. Yeah, like like you mentioned, uh, like I mentioned before, excuse me, that I have, my main charger is the iCharger 410. And uh, this one is a dual output, up to 10 cells each output, 40 amps each output. Yeah. So what, 40 amps? Yes, 40 amps. Do you ever come close to using that? Yes, I have, actually. Golly, why? <laughs> because I can. <laughs> what are you charging at 40 amps? Uh, I have, I did it the other day with my A10. It's two six-cell battery packs. And I can charge them. I can fast charge them. They're five thousands. Uh, and I can charge them 15, 20 amps each if I need to. Well, charge at 8C? Um, no, 5C. My math off. What, what was I doing? Oh, no, no, not that, not that. That was, um, I think 40 amps total. Sorry. Uh, I think I charged them at okay. 10 amps each side, but I have, okay. um, a, 80-inch zero that has two 8,000 milliamp hour battery packs that are each 6L. Uh, and so I can just, those I can do 20 amps into each pack. Uh, I don't have any 10 cells that I, I have a 10 cell actually, somewhere and something. Oh, one of my EDFs, but it's only one pack. So no, I haven't gone up to 40 amps each side, no. Now that I think about it. But so all the guys are sitting on mission control and the lights get dim. Let's <laughs> be charging again. But I have pushed 20 amps on each side. And the, I guess the the circuit out there is built for that much amperage? Yeah, it's not too bad. No, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not. These are only 50 volts, right, at the most. So mm-hmm. you've got usually most uh, AC outlets can push somewhere like 1,500 watts, something like that. So, and that's a, you know, 120 volts at what, 15 amps, 20 amps, whatever it is. So we're working at much lower voltages, so it's not a problem. Also, I have two power supplies too. I use, like you, I use a server power supply, so I use two of them in series. So it's a 24 volt power supply at 47 amps, the, the server ones are. So, um, you know, if I want to do a Quick calculation, I think, um, 24 times, uh, so, so, yeah, so even if I maxed out the power supplies, that's about 1,100 watts. So the power supplies would shut off before I hit the circuit breaker on the AC. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, so, I don't know, if I'm doing... 40. Now, I would assume that sort of power demand would not be kind to a car battery. No, it wouldn't. No. you probably do it once, and that would be about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if I did... Now, if I did 40 amps on both sides at 10 cells, that would be close to... It would depend on the circuit breaker on the AC power, because that's... You're pushing 16, 1,700 watts. So it depends on that's uh, it's cutting close to a 15 amp breaker. 
very a little bit of headroom, but not much. But so when you're charging that fast, what's the charge time? Oh, I can do about fifteen minutes. And 15, is that minutes. detrimental to the batteries over the long haul? Uh, I use batteries that are designed for fast charge. So from the factory, they say five C. Probably technically yes. And if I did only one C, I might get a little bit longer life out of the batteries. But I, from the factory, they say five C, three five C, whatever. Okay. So I just do it. Uh, I, I what I do is to prolong the batteries. Is I don't charge them all the way up. I don't have my charger set to four point two volts. I have it like four point one four four one five something like that. So, um, and I try not to discharge them too far. I think that keeps them alive longer than fast charging. So we need to charge up one of those batteries so we can jumpstart Lee here. Yeah, Lee. <laughs> Y'all were talking, trying not to interrupt as often as I normally do. <laughs> I have a plethora of chargers, so I'm kind of like split between the, the two of you guys. I, if I go take the, the bigger planes to the field, I, I tend to charge them before I go. Uh, you know, my, my 6S, 5S packs, packs, cause I don't want to sit there at the field and charging them. But, uh, Terry, I, I just, it's hard for me to believe you don't do any charging at the field. Um, I have, I didn't say never, just, I tried to avoid it. Gotcha. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm like Fitz. I kind of, we have electricity through a generator. Um, but some people bring their own portable generators, uh, or I'll bring a, a large battery if I'm just doing small planes. But I have a lot of chargers, and in fact, I still have, and I wonder if you guys do, I still have two Astro 109s, and I, I <laughs> you laugh, but I use them for our car batteries. They're perfect. You know, I've got the little balance, uh, the Astro balancers on it, and they work just as good as they, they did, like they've always have. So never, well, sure. knock on wood here, never had an issue with my Astro 109, so I, I have a, a case that actually holds an Astro 109 with a power supply, and... And, you know, all the, the stuff I need to, to charge the batteries, and Austin uses them a lot. Uh, but my main... Well, go ahead. I don't think many people ever had an issue with the 109. It was the 110 that burned down houses, right? Oh. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the 109. I had not thought about that in a long time. I think I still have one somewhere in a box. I think that was my first real good high-voltage charger uh, once I started flying electric airplanes again. And, in fact, mine... The problem I had with mine is I wore out the little knob that just the current, the potentiometer inside basically wore out and it would no longer hold its setting very well. Well, I don't know how it wore out. Did you just crank it all the way to the right? <laughs> I mean, you don't need you don't need a potentiometer. You just need to like get a switch that toggles between ten amps and five hundred amps. <laughs> no, I, I, I just I, break it off. I flew a lot of speed four hundred stuff, so it, it needed a lower uh, current. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess maybe one day we should talk about our old chargers because I actually been, went through quite a few chargers. I've had uh, Orbits and Schultz, Schultzes and all kinds of stuff. I still like my 109s. They both still work. Now, I did do the, the chip upgrade, so maybe there's there was an incident with the, the processors. The, you know, maybe they're, and then maybe that, that solved my problem <clears throat> with mine. But... Um, no, I, I, well, like I don't them. think it was so much a design problem. I, there might have been some part of that, but this was prior to balance plugs and all that. So I think... That, well, I am using a I'm balancer. I mean, I use a balancer with it. So I use the Astro balancer tap mm. to it. And I'm not I'm not going really past 2C 
on these to to be worried that it can't keep up so again for car batteries little 1300 batteries it's perfect so i do have those my main chargers i have two turnigy um, mega 400 watt chargers in a case with a, uh, a power supply you know a server dell server power supply so i take that to the field and and right now it's it's on my desk so i have a power cord already sitting there so when i put the case down i just plug my power cord into the side and and charge my batteries um, directly there. So I use that a lot. I still have a Hyperion charger. Um, that's an AC, it's an AC-DC, but I, I mainly keep it out for um, using transmitter and receiver batteries, you know, nickel metal hydride, little lipos, and my life, you, uh, my life batteries that I'm starting to use now for receiver batteries. So, or lifey, some people say lifey, but I, I say life batteries. Oh, really? I never heard that. Yeah. Iron phosphate. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's why I said I like my little case. I, I'd like fits, uh, I'd like to get two power supplies in that thing. I'd like to bump the voltage because, you know, when I'm taking the 5 and 6S out, I'd like to, I could push those batteries to 2C. And, and I normally charge at 2C anyway. Most of my packs are all 2C to 5C charge rates. Never had any issues. So, wouldn't, wouldn't mind getting more voltage into those chargers. But I'm, I'm in the, the, neighborhood for looking for a new charger so i'm i'm, I'm searching you like that high tech terry uh, which one the new one or the x4 well is x4 or h4 which one do you have the one i have is x4 which is dc only it's a few years old now but i think there's a newer version that's ac dc and that might be the h4 yeah the h4 plus i'm looking at that right now yeah i don't know just i'll be on the market yeah Either. i like it i'm you know, I'm at the point now where I'm very familiar with the menus, and so I can you know, manage going through there quickly and get exactly what I want. And it does a good job. Does it have a nice beep to it? Yes. <laughs> nice beep to yeah. it. <laughs> I, some people have chargers that just have really obnoxious beeps. <laughs> so, well, isn't that the point? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you, you don't want a soothing beep. Get a get an old lady's voice and come get your battery off the charger. <laughs> you should do that. You don't get a fire alarm that plays Bach. <laughs> <laughs> your battery's ready. <laughs> or better yet, something's wrong. <laughs> You know, I just remembered I did use something that had, uh, used 40 amps, and that was, I was balancing the cells on my motorcycle, and I used that charger to go through each cell, and I cranked it all the way up to 40 amps. Well, let's be clear. This is an electric motorcycle. It's an electric motorcycle, yes. I, I, in case you didn't know, I, I built an electric motorcycle that I used for a while to go back and forth to work and stuff, and so, and uh, uh, every once in a while, some of the batteries would get a little off balance, uh, so... This charger was so versatile, I could, and these are lifey batteries too, or at least uh, that type of technology. So uh, I could use this charger to zap them really quick because they're they're like I think sixty amp hour batteries. So yeah, you could practically plug those directly into the wall outlet. Could you? <laughs> if it was DC, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me if you think it's uh, it's a pipe dream, but Wi-Fi is such a big thing, or Bluetooth. Do you think they're going to make chargers that are going to be able to tap into your Wi-Fi so you can actually link back to your charger and monitor it through an app on your phone? They already have so it. Can... Okay. I've seen it. it. <laughs> <laughs> have I been sleeping? <laughs> I saw it. I was at a fly-in. This guy had this really neat charger set up. I, can't, I wish I could remember what. I took a picture. I had to go find it. Uh, and it had a, a Bluetooth connection through an iPad. 
And so he could set up all his charging routines and, and, and whatnot, but and control the charger through his iPad. It was very early. This was, I think, earlier this year or late last year. And it was still, he said it was somewhat buggy, but it was, um, <laughs> it was very new. It was very new. That, that's, that doesn't make Well, I, it, it was workable. He was using it. I think he said it was, the bugs were minor, but he said. Was, I'm sure Elon Musk said a couple of times that his rockets were a little buggy. <laughs> They're doing much better now, Terry. Have a little so faith. Is he, is he launching those rockets with his iPad? <laughs> I don't know. But, this, hey, I don't different know. scale, I, Terry. Come on. Calm down now. <laughs> I can understand a monitoring app. But man, to control a charger remotely seems awfully. Well, dangerous. I think um, I think it still was I local I, control. I think he the iPad was for I think selecting charge routines and monitoring that kind of stuff. But I would want it to monitor. I don't yeah. want to just. I mean, maybe maybe if you could have pre-programmed safe settings. Yeah, to, that kind of to stuff. say download and then you start and you know it it still has its own little you know safety measures there. Yes. but I've or never a kill switch. Or yeah, kill switch. Big red but I've never had yeah. one of those. Is it mount? Not mountain models. What's the company that makes the battery tester? It's got the big West Mountain Radio. West, thank you. I've never owned one of those. Always thought I'd I'd like to get one or see if I can find one used to to look at the graphs and stuff. But I think it'd be neat if you could have a, a charging system send that data to an app where it could keep store of it. So That's... Like if you're charging batteries, I'd, I'd love to uh, a way to monitor the batteries that I'm charging. And and maybe track them, you know. Yeah, that's what uh, this did. That's so. When I said it was buggy, it was more like the interface was had some little issues. But the charger was still a charger. That didn't change. It's just that you now had another interface with the iPad that you could chart the charge and discharge curves. You can load and save profiles. You can start and start the charger. That kind of stuff. It'd be nice if you got an alert that your battery was done. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I don't sit there and stare at my charger like it's you know watching water boil i do i do other things and i may leave and come back and you know i've had yeah. an incident but i mean i was right there i wasn't i wasn't on vacation charging a battery but i think it you know that might be a kind of a technology leap i don't think bluetooth would be the answer that's not going to be a very far i mean if you're at the field that might be okay but you know if there's something in your house and you had it hooked up wi-fi and you could send data to monitor batteries and, and keep track of that that mm. might, might be something Worth looking into. Well, it, it's or, out there. Already developing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm late <laughs> in the game. Oh yes. Terry might not buy that. I can see the value of monitoring, but other than that, I'm not sold yet. That's all I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still using candles in your house for lighting, aren't you? <laughs> Churning yes. the butter out front in the porch. Yep. <laughs> Wait for the buggy with manufacturers to come back online. <laughs> Hardy har. <laughs> wow, we have had a long show, guys. Do we want to do any follow-up with workbenches or anything before we uh, say goodnight? Yeah, 3D printing update. Uh, Lee, you'll be happy to know it. I started printing out another 3D airplane, and this time it's the P-38. Well, you've already what? done a P thirty eight. Well, that was was not for me. That was for the hobby store, and it's it's oh. a it's a hangar queen. I'm oh, gotcha. I'm printing one out to actually fly. Ooh, and what color is it? Red. Yay! Good choice. <laughs> it's gun. Is it opaque? No, no. Yes, yes, it's opaque. Okay. So this will be the Yippee, the five thousands, the P thirty eight that was made. In fact, I've already 
contracted Calligraphics to make the nice yippee stickers for me. So sweet, cool. All right, yeah. I'm liking this story. So I've actually got a good chunk of it printed out. So I think just uh, I think I have the left right wing to finish and some odd and end bits, and then I'll be able to stick it together. I get all the electronics for it, but uh, oh, actually, I got the motors. Um, who was it? The guys that used to be Hobby Lobby. Hobby International? Hobby Express. Hobby Express, yeah. They had a sale of some motors, some ERC motors, so I picked up some motors for it. Uh, I got some controllers, so I just need to get some servos and the retractable landing gear, which this has, which is pretty neat. And Which retracts are you using? Um, not sure. Uh, I got to go check the manual. I haven't ordered them yet, so I got to go double-check the manual, see what they recommend and what will fit. Gotcha. I think they're designed for some generic Chinese retracts. Okay. Are you going counter-rotating on the props? That's a good question. I need to go check, see what props are available. I'd like to. I plan on it, uh, if I can find so, the right sizes. Do you 3D print the spinners? I can. I don't know if I want to. Don't know if... Well, that was my challenge when I built a three-bladed twin, was finding counter-rotating... Or reverse rotation three blade spinners. Uh, they make a they, oh no, it's two blades. They do, but they're kind of a custom special uh, order, so you might pay a premium for them. So I may try three print them, see if if I think they're strong enough. Um, it doesn't hurt to try, so I think I will. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'll print some out, see how they look, because I believe the files come with the spinners. So, oh okay, uh, so that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, P38s have kind of a unique profile. So I don't know if you'd find an off-the-shelf spinner that really hits that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting it done. Hopefully I can get it done by best. Uh, we'll see. That's pushing it. Yeah, I know. Well, once the parts are printed, you said assembly goes together pretty quickly. Yeah, it does right? go together pretty quickly. So it'll be mostly installing electronics. So um, it'll just be a case of scrounging up all the electronics. It needs like nine servos in this thing. <laughs> Let's see, one for each rudder. Is it one on the elevator? I think it's one on the el- You know, I don't know. It just said nine servos. I haven't looked at the details yet. Okay, so I guess you didn't have to do any of that on the previous one you made, since it was a ground pounder. Yeah, it only needed two servos. Three. Did you know? Four. Five. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get six? <laughs> well, it needed zero, right? Because it was just getting hung from the ceiling. Oh, yeah, the P- other P3. I thought you were talking to Spitfire, but yes, the other. Oh, no. Yeah, the other P3 needs zero. Yeah, it was just hung up. So, which is okay. That was nice to do that one first because I could see the mistakes and, and tweak the settings on the printer. So now this one is, this one actually was much faster printing because all the settings were more or less set already. So I just hit print and walk away. You didn't get a bird nest this time around. No right? more bird nest. No. <laughs> I started using, um, uh, Contact cement, not contact cement. What is this little lipstick-looking things you the kids use? Uh, glue, sticks? glue sticks. Yes. Started using glue yeah, sticks. You don't want to confuse us with yeah. Yeah. chapstick. Or maybe you do. Okay. <laughs> Those lipstick-looking things. They look like lipstick things, don't they? <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Oh my god! No. <laughs> Are we qualified to have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right. <laughs> Anyways. Thanks, Terry, for following up with that safety PSA. 
Don't hey. confuse the two. Hey, I haven't had my coffee yet this morning. <laughs> oh, that's great. Hey, can you send me a pic of a, like a piece? I know uh, you've got a yeah. come on, insider. I can send you there. a picture of a box of pieces right now. Oh, I love are. it. <laughs> Is the fuselage done? No, it's all in a box. Oh, that's... It's literally a box of pieces right now. I haven't glued these together. I know, but yet. I mean, can you? Can you? I would like to see a picture of the the fuselage, though. Uh, sure. Come on, pull it out. That's in like three a... pieces. Oh, that's fine. Okay. Give me some. Give me some views of that. That's neat. Anything else you're working on? Mm. No, that's it. That's been taking up the the time on the printer. Oh, oh, I um, I tell you about the Avanti S. I has I have acquired. Mm, that sounds familiar. It's not very recent, right? Yeah, I've had it for about a month. A few weeks? No, since yeah, I got okay. back from vacation, a free wing of Auntie S, a club member, bought one. And I actually test flew it for him. And then went on vacation, and when I came back, he goes, oh, I crashed the Avanti. And, and so apparently he obliterated the fuselage, but the wings and tail and all electronics were good. So I said, hey, well, you want to sell the bits and pieces? and Maybe I'll rebuild it. And so he sold me the bits and pieces, and I got a new fuselage for it, and I stuck it all together. So now, hopefully I'll maiden that this weekend. Uh, it was a, It's a really nice flank jet. That's why I was so interested in it, because it's really nice. Cool. So he just dumb-thumbed it? It wasn't an equipment failure? Yeah, he dumb-thumbed it. Okay. Yeah. Lucky you. Yeah, lucky me. So, oh, that's too bad. Can I buy it? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and now I know this guy who, who gets pieces, for, you know, good pieces from... Other pilots, and he's able to put them back together. I don't find these. I, I need those friends. Any <laughs> <laughs> better friends? Well, Chris. Hey, but you know what? I have to say, I do. I did luck out. You know, Terry moving to to New York. We did get a couple of cool planes, right? <laughs> oh yeah. So I do have. I do have friends like that. <laughs> Sorry, Terry. Just kind of kind of forgot about you for a moment there. <laughs> oh well, that's it for me. Well, I'm getting ready for best, so I've got stuff on the workbench. I'm working on one project, and I'll just leave it at that. Hmm. Uh, but you'll be happy to know I opened the Tiger Cat box. I <laughs> read through the instructions. They, it is a gorgeous kit. The, they did a really good job uh, putting this thing in the box. Everything's plastic wrapped and, and gorgeous, but I'm missing a wing rod. So I've. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm missing a wing rod, so I can't continue. But I've uh, emailed Flightline; they've got me on their, uh, you know, technical support list. So hopefully, I'll, they'll ship me in there two different sizes. So they'll probably have to send me a set, which is sad because I went online to just see if I could just order it real quick, and I could. There's not even a a, a link for an extra set of wing rods. So oh, hopefully, they'll... it's not just some standard size you could get from the kite shop. I don't think so. I don't think so. Probably so, metric. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Wentworth, uh, <laughs> but I uh, they'll they'll send it to me. This is okay because I'll I'll enjoy the uh, stuff I can get done. It's really nice. Well, I mean, probably the best looking boxed kit I've ever received. And so kudos to to Flightline RC. So that will be that will be ready for best fits. You will see the Tiger Cat. Out oh, nice. Out. Yeah. And uh, was that your first time opening it? Uh, I opened the box to look at the instruction sheet and just look gla- glaze, <laughs> gaze at the top. Uh, my eyes were glazed, gazing at the top of the box. Um, my but no, now that I've pulled everything out, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, so yeah, imagine you know, a wing rod—you wouldn't notice immediately until you start pulling stuff out. 
Yeah, normally they like tape them to the, the inside of the box or yeah. like on the edge, but uh, there was just one ring rod, so it was, you know, I'm okay. I'll live through it. Uh, Did you decide on a scheme yet? Yeah, I'm I'm doing uh, here, Kitty Kitty. Okay. So oh, that's right. I already got the decals from from uh, Callie's graphics, so. Now, is that a darker color than this one is painted in already? Or are you going to... No, I'm not going to. I, I think I'll take uh, uh, Chris's, right? I'll take Chris Wolf's advice and What's that? don't make it darker. He said leave it oh, there. Yeah. He said I wouldn't recommend yeah. it. So I'll just leave. I'm probably going to give it a nice dusting of uh, water-based polyurethane, uh, a semi-gloss. Or actually, no, I, I picked I picked up a satin. So just to, to protect the foam. And huh. anyway, so I've got that and trying to get a couple other planes built uh, for best. So mm. there's that. And next week I'm going to Bomber Field for the big B-17 gathering. So I, I plan on just going Thursday because I was supposed to go on a scout trip next weekend. But I'm thinking I might be skipping that scout trip. So I might spend some more time over oh, at Bomber nice. next weekend. I'll, yeah, at least try to hit Saturday. That's you know, the best day. How about you, Terry? Well, um, I finished my review on that VQ Warbirds T-34, and I've got some ideas in mind that I might want to tweak things in the future cosmetically, so that's on the back burner. I've also wrapped up my review of that Dynam Waco, which is a very cool airplane. More recently, I built a barn door. Come again? Yeah, I built a barn door. <laughs> with the with the cows? <laughs> no. Um, in our house here, we are setting up a guest room, and we decided to, instead of have regular hinge doors, we're going to put barn doors on it. And we ended up finding this place in Buffalo that sells reclaimed um, wood, actually wood from the sides of barns, and all sorts of like sinks and doors and stuff like that. It's a really cool place to go. But we found some old wood, and I built a sliding barn door out of barn wood. So that took up a little bit of my time. And it's the first of three that are going to go in there. Um, so there haven't been as many airplanes going through the factory. Um, but just the other day, I put together a new quad that I'm going to be checking out, the Vifly R130, which is a 130-millimeter quad. Uh, that'll be neat, I think. I got it set up finally. And I also finally built my Kyosho Optima, but I haven't driven it yet. Ooh, nice. How'd that go together? So, um, just like you expect. It's got a great manual, and everything fits the way it's supposed to. Typical Japanese quality stuff. Although, I don't know if they're made in China now, but whatever. It was what I remembered from Kyosho. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, that body is deceptively difficult. I don't know if you remember the paint scheme that's on the Optima. But normally I wouldn't try to replicate the scheme that's on the box just because. But I've kind of felt like I had to since this is a, a re-release kind of thing. And they give you decals that you can basically paint the body white and then put the decals on the outside to get all the other colors. And it's just big color panels. But the body, body is really contoured in a lot of ways. So I'm like, there's no way I'll ever get these to lay down right. So I decided I was going to paint everything. And there's just a lot of masking, and it's masking in areas with compound curves yeah. and hard-to-reach areas. So what I thought would be a one- or two-hour job turned into a, 
all day job. Well, so car buys, you got to sort of think in reverse because you're painting on the inside. Uh, right, and you're doing the, the darkest colors first, which isn't necessarily easy to get to. So, yeah. But in the end, I, I'm happy with how it turned out. Just don't roll it over. <laughs> <laughs> no, this will get rolled over. <laughs> but um, Put it in a hamster bubble. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Well, that's the nice thing about painting on the inside is the body, you can roll it over and it doesn't scratch the paint off because the paint's on the inside. Yeah, it's much more durable. Yeah, but I mean, all that time to have scratches all over it. You'll be, yeah, you'll well. be shunned. <laughs> no, that's why you take pictures when it's fresh. <laughs> nice. And speaking of events, uh, the Neat Fair is next weekend also. Are you going? And I've been saying, fre- well... You're going, right? I, I, You're going, right? Well, all right. The answer is yes, right? The answer is yes. It's Craigslist all over. We're going to have a presence there. <laughs> you can't miss No, um, I might be able to make a cameo appearance. Might. And I probably won't know until the morning of. <laughs> okay. So it's four and a half hours away from me. and um, You could day trip that. Well, yeah, and that's if I do it, that's how it would go. I would have to leave her early in the morning and come back later in the afternoon. Um, And so I think I'm going to keep an eye on the weather to make sure that's going well and make sure there are no pressing issues at home, and that's impossible to predict. Just leave cereal on the table. Make sure there's milk in the refrigerator. Just tell the kids you'll be back shortly. Yeah, a a bowl of water on the floor. Yeah, they're old enough. (laughs) (laughs) So um, thank you for your parenting advice. (laughs) Hey, you got three kids. You know, we come back two out of three. You know, you still got a majority. Isn't that how we grew up? Our parents said, "Just don't touch anything." Yeah, <laughs> watch TV. Yeah, they kick you out of the door at nine a.m. and say, "Don't come back till the sun goes down." And we liked Thanks. it. Yeah, <laughs> we drank from the water hose. <laughs> I used to drink from streams. Oh wow! But yeah, it was good. He's wilderness man. Yeah. <laughs> Grizzly Adams. Yeah, he got to play in the woods. And he and builds electric cool. motorcycles. <laughs> Everyone's got to have a hobby. Well, cool. We're going to so, have, uh, have a Terry at Neat. That's neat. I can't wait to see the photos. We might have a neat appearance. All right. Well, we're I'll let you know. Crossing our fingers. So am I. I'd like to go. Fitz, do you have any events? Uh. You're going to? Oh, did, Are you best, going to Bummer? I guess. Did you have your regatta? No, I canceled it. <laughs> okay. Houston was a You could probably have one on any given street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Am I, I making jokes already? Probably well, just. you probably it's not obvious, but the highway system here is kind of a mess, too, especially to, to, after the storm. In fact, what, Highway 6 is still closed and parts of the Beltway are closed. Even now, so I think Beltway's I think Beltway's back up and running. They just finished draining Beltway at I ten, so uh, okay. Good. So yeah, so I figure people would, would be cleaning up and just in trap and transportation might be an issue. And a lot of cars got flooded and all kinds of stuff. So I canceled it. I did well, are you gonna clear. are you gonna try to make it to Bomber though? I don't know. Well, is that is that next week? It starts on Wednesday. Uh, they move. They move it back now. So it used to be Wednesday. through Sunday. Now they they end it Saturday. So oh. people are showing up Wednesday and Thursday. I'm going to go Thursday because I know some people from Austin will be there, and then uh, I'll try to make it back on Saturday. Probably not because the 
Lone Star Museum is having a grand opening this th- that Saturday. That's right. I'll be missing that. So good. You go to that. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go to that since that's much closer, and um, I'd like to see the grand. You only you only have one grand opening. The bomber field would be every year, so I think I'll miss it this year. And maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I'll I'll join you Saturday. Maybe I'll do bomber Thursday and Friday and, and head over Saturday. To, do you have tickets? Because I'm not sure if it's a limited number. Or is oh, it just... No, I don't know. I didn't buy tickets. I'll have to double check that. All right, guys. Well, it's been another great episode of meandering through the RC hobby. And uh, I think uh, we both have some bunch of stuff on our plates. And so I look forward to the next time we get together and see how far we progress on our, each of our projects. And with that, I think we'll blow this taco stand and... We'll see you next time. One final note. As we recorded this episode, there was a large hurricane approaching Florida coast. And as we all know, these things are very serious. And especially since we just survived our own blasting with a hurricane. So just want to let our Florida listeners and friends and family out there know that our thoughts are with you. And we only hope the best in this situation. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts, where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.